start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jay Allen Show. Often duplicated but never replicated. I hope everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods as we are going through this grandioso time throughout the end of the year. Welcome to this whole thing that we call 2021. So in today's episode, we got a lot of things going on and I really don't want to take too long for us to get into it. So let's go ahead and get this whole thing started. Today, I have the honor and the privilege of speaking to Sarah Bond. Sarah Bond is an experienced HSE professional who began her career in safety back in 2002. However, as a surf lifeguard, professional ski patroller, outdoor instructor, and volunteer at St. John's Ambulance Officer, she has lived and breathed safety from a young age. Her six years in the Royal New Zealand Naval Volunteer Reserve also gave her an advanced command and communication training. So let's not get too long into this and let's get this whole thing started with the conversation between Sarah Bond and myself today on The Jay Allen Show. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. You have to tell me all about it. I've been actually following your work for years. Now. At least that's how I feel about it. So tell me, how did it all start for you? Because I am so confused on how this whole journey started. Why? At what point did you say... The world's going to be different because Sarah's in safety or Sarah's going to be different because the world needs safety. How did that come about for you? Oh, it's quite random. In fact, it's very random. If if you really track it back, I think probably when I started surf lifeguarding and um, it was the 92, 93 season in New Zealand that I really got into it and I got really fit. I was a medical officer because I kind of realized that I was never going to be able to keep up with the boys as far as... Um, you know, swimming or paddling or driving out in an IRB, sorry, inflatable red boat. You, you knew I was going to ask next. I was like, you know, I have no clue what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I did is I niched myself in medical. And then the really interesting thing is in 1994, the New Zealand Navy said that women could go to sea. And I had some friends that were also in the Naval Reserves as well as surf lifeguarding. So they said, hey, why don't you do your basic training and see what happens? And that was amazing. And I actually, yeah, there was a few other things because from there, 
I was always good at speaking and people said, oh, go do a law degree. So I did, but I kind of majored in Navy and ski patrol because I wanted to keep skiing, but I was too poor (laughs) to pay for it. So I ended up again applying all of my medical knowledge and other things to that. And I sort of joke about being a law school survivor, but I sort of majored in Navy, ski patrol and surf lifeguarding. And I, I genuinely did burn Adams on criminal law and head off to Tahoe <laughs> to do patrol. I actually did two seasons in America, one in Maine and one in Lake Tahoe, Nevada at a place called Incline Village. Which one did you like the best, Nevada, Nevada or uh, Maine? Well, it's interesting because I love the people in Maine. I was at a place called Sunday River and I ended up in this place called Bethel. And... Like, I think I arrived on the 20th and I'd been invited to five Thanksgivings dinner. (laughs) And and everyone was just so welcoming and so kind. And so my my best nights, there's a place called Suds Pub. And on Tuesday night, they'd have hoot night. And everyone would be down playing bluegrass and wagon wheel and there'd be harmonicas. And, you know, it was just (laughs) crazy. And I loved that. The thing was, the snow on the East Coast is not so good. Like, I can remember days where I was standing at the um, top of one of the peaks with, like, my face reflected between my skis because it was so icy. Mm-hmm. Whereas over at Tahoe, like, Tahoe was interesting because I landed in Reno, which is a bit like the geographic armpit of the <laughs> desert. And you, you got it. <laughs> Drove up over Mount Rose, and then it felt like I was driving into a snow globe because it was just so beautiful. The interesting thing was I was staying in Incline Village, and that's known as Income Village, and that's where I met the true meaning of five-star in America, and it's also where I discovered five-star nastiness as well. Um, (laughs) And the snow was so much better on that that side so it's a little bit more inland the team was amazing but I think as a community I enjoyed my east coast Maynar experience more so were you expecting more like the gambling scene when you made it to Reno at that particular portion if, if, if you don't mind me asking when you made it to Nevada so you get to Reno and it's like it's a it's a it's a different beast especially once you get even to the airport well I think so the thing about Reno was We actually, because we flew into LA, and again, because we were all quite cheap, so we took the uh, Greyhound bus, which was uh, from LA, which was an experience in itself, because, you know, buses are just buses in New Zealand. It's not like you're going to have a drug bus down the back of it. And, (laughs) And then we turned up in the bus station, and this woman, Emily, picked us up in this massive Ram Dodge and was just like, we're getting out of here. And I'm like, yes, please, because... It was just not what I came to America for. And I just wanted to get over into the snow and things like that. And I think I think that the thing that I really enjoy, the fact that I spent, so I'd traveled to America before and done like Disneyland and skied in Colorado. The interesting thing is about having had the both coast experiences is it really made me realize that America is 50 countries. You know, you just can't generalize it. And it's been really unfortunate over the last two years because a lot of the world has seen some big generalizations 
about America and your presidents and things like that. And are you insinuating is, that we're crazy to some extent? I, th- I, th- I think that's what we're going with, right? <laughs> oh, I saw a meme that it had a flood and then it had a dumpster and then it sailing in the flood and then the dumpster was on fire. And um, And I just, I think the two things that I find really hard, and again, remembering that I met some of the most generous, beautiful people in both Tahoe and Maine, is... What ends up in the mainstream media is very, very polarized and it's almost sounding like a religion in itself. And that's not day-to-day America. And I also think that people forget that, you know, you can't blame it on Trump because there's this massive ecosystem and checks and balances behind that. So either way, the president is the president and, yes, they have a lot of power um, my my arts degree was in political science, so I actually studied quite a lot about the Constitution and how America became a republic, and I've always found it really fascinating. And um, to me, what happened with Trump just felt like the whole country had, uh, I, I, yeah, it, it was like it painted itself into a corner with all its high ideals and then had, you know, made the bed and then had to lie in it. And, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, the whole thing was interesting on, on when it was taking place in regards of, I mean, some people looked at him as a reality TV show host mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, and then some people, I remember there was a gentleman by the name of Michael Moore that had released something um, by the name of Trump land, which was like a documentary on oh, how are you going to yeah. feel after, yeah. after he wins. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many different perspectives. I mean, was it good for the country? Some people think yes. Was it bad for the country? Some people think yes. It's it's kind of a mix in between. It's 50% say yes, 50% say no. And it, it boils down to a matter of opinion. Well, and I, I also find it really interesting because I, one of my one of my best friends, actually, she was up at Temple Basin, which was where I first did ski patrol. She now lives in Utah um, and near Snowbird. And she said the things that that she finds really hard because New Zealand's pretty egalitarian and we like people to have their own opinions. And she said it has amazed her over how the last two years she's got really good friends, but there's just certain things they don't talk about ever. Mm-hmm. And that to <laughs> me, cause I like, I like to appreciate people holistically and I love robust discussion and like I'm one of those painful people that like I force myself to listen to whether it be podcasts or books to look at things that are diametrically opposed to me. And it may make me feel squeamish or want to throw something sometime, but I still listen. And mm-hmm. yeah, knowing Farah, that was like quite extreme for her. Well, and it's amazing that you say that because it's so interesting. And, and, I'll, and I'll go into social media for a moment where we can't have a discussion of you agree, I disagree, or Mm. vice versa, at least on this side. Mm. Um, It's automatically, we can no longer be connected. Mm. I'm not talking so much of the LinkedIn's of the world. I'm talking Mm. more of like the Facebooks, Instagrams, Mm. and so on, where all of a sudden it seems like there's a lot of conversation, right, where we can't talk. And I remember at one point in in my life, we were able to have discussions. Hey, we don't have to agree on, on your theory, my theory, somebody else's theory, but we can still be friends. We can still have a common yeah. ground of yeah. hey, we're humans. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that has changed over the last little bit of 
no, if you don't see it that way, we are no longer friends. We can no longer speak. And it's it's these hard lines in the sand, but you see it a lot in the digital community um, oh. and then not talked about in the in-person side of the, yeah, of well, the world. Two things there for me. One is, again, we're having a robust discussion about it and it's not okay. It's either you're all Trump or you're all Biden and you mm-hmm. can't like some of Trump and some of Biden. And and that, right. again, to me is, um, do you remember that book, that The Wave, which was about that school teacher that ran a social experiment at a school that sort of basically set up Hitler Youth and demonstrated how quickly things, I'm like, wow, that's getting into The Handmaid's Tale and Hitler Youth stuff there. <laughs> so that was scary. But also I find it fascinating in the safety community because you so, you so just stole my thunder. You knew exactly where I was oh, going to go next. How did I know where you're going? Um, I and I I I just have a habit of having a light touch when I pull the pin and throw a grenade into something. And again, I find that some safety people have become quite evangelical. It does, <laughs> and and it feels like they're nailing themselves to crosses. But meanwhile, the thing is, is that people who are engineers or accountants or lawyers are just sitting on the side with their popcorn going, this is hilarious. It's not (laughs) serving our profession at all. And it's not serving our clients either. And like, no, go ahead. Go ahead. The thing I find interesting is I take my clients as is whereas like I have quite a robust process for me to say, I'm actually going to work with them. Like I, I belong, I'm on the Pareto curve and the fact that I pretty much got rid of 80% of my clients when I had a baby (laughs) and just went, (laughs) I'm only going to work with the people that I like, which was very different because when I first started consulting, I believe I would have gone to the opening of an envelope and taken (laughs) on anyone. (laughs) And I... I get it. I get it. Believe me. I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, I paid for that. I paid for that dearly. And... It's that whole thing of some of my clients, meeting them where they're at and using their language. Sometimes I'm using behavioral-based tools. Sometimes I'm using control and command traditional safety. Sometimes I'm using leading edge, um, like some work I'm doing with Nipin Anand and Novellis is leading edge safety to hop stuff, which is quite amazing. But the thing is, I'm more than happy to shift gear if it's going to move me that 1% closer to where I need my client to be. This is The Jay Allen Show. Have you ever wanted to focus on your wellness but didn't know what to do? Well, now it's the time to reset your wellness with Wellness Reset. They provide wellness coaching to individuals who struggle with losing weight or integrating wellness into their lives due to emotional eating, stress, feeling overwhelmed, and fatigue. And fatigue. If you've fatigue. been looking for one-on-one coaching and take a deep dive into your habits, thoughts, and patterns of behavior and all that drives your choices to achieve your ultimate wellness, you can work with Wellness Reset right now. They have also group coaching available. Book a webinar for your team or join a small group of like-minded individuals to deepen your wellness journey. To find out more information, go to alessamorgan.com. That's alessamorgan.com and start with your Wellness Reset today. 
are you tired of hanging around and talking about safety in a boring kind of format? Well, I got something for you. If you haven't hung out with us yet at safetyfm.com, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Yeah, if you come out to Safety FM, you can come hang out with all kinds of safety professionals. Some are safety professionals. Some are just people that are talking about safety. But we want to do it in a format that makes it fun and entertaining. If you're kind of trying to figure out what the FM portion is, well, we're a radio station and also a podcast network. You can come out, hang out, and listen to my show, The Jay Allen Show. You can listen to Todd Conklin with the pre-accident investigation. Blaine J. Hoffman with the Safety Pro. The Hop Nerd. Sam Goodman, just to name a few on what can be found on the station. Different things for different people. Trying to bring safety in an entertaining form. SafetyFM.com. Go to the website, download the app, and carry it with you all day long. SafetyFM.com. We'll be waiting for you. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Well, and, and that's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of people are so hesitant of realizing that some of the stuff that can be done in the world of safety are bolt-ons. And mm-hmm. you have to really meet people where they're at mm-hmm. and say, let's do an addition to, opposed to, oh no, hostile takeover, get rid of that stuff. Let's just start off. I mean, and some people have invested hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars into some of these programs. And all of a sudden you walk and go, no, get rid of the whole thing. And let's start off from scratch. It's not going to be what they want to do. Now you did jump ahead because apparently you must have exactly where, where I'm leaning. So let me, let me go with this real quick. So I did notice that you are doing stuff with Nippon. Where did the change come about? Because I noticed you were doing your own thing. And then all of a sudden it was like, Ta-da! And I and I was I was kind of intrigued because I'll tell you he had recently released something that I was very intrigued about that we had an interview a few months back at this particular point. Is that what got you excited about about what was going on or or why the transition? Oh, so I think I Daniel Hammerdale and Art did an Art of Work presentation, and I think about 2012, 2013 in New Zealand. It's kind of cool because there are so many big names that come to New Zealand and sort of use us as their training Petri dish Ooh. and they get all the <laughs> feedback. And so the thing is we've had phenomenal people. Like we've had um, Todd Conklin came and spoke. And Who's that guy? I'm not familiar with that guy. Oh, I, yeah, I think you are. Um, I think Todd's amazing. Um, yeah, the, Todd's brain, I wish I could download it, to be honest. Um, the thing with Nippon is he did this – presentation in New Zealand it actually happened in lockdown last year on the Costa Concordia and he did it for all of the New Zealand Institute of Safety Management interesting in New Zealand because we only have one oh well, actually no there is NZ risk and there's a safety society but NZISM is the main one that people tend to belong to because that's another thing I notice <laughs> in America people getting uh, it's like the I think Linda East Martin talked about the sneeches. My belly stars better than yours because I've got different letters. And again, I'm just like such a waste <laughs> of energy. Anyway, Nippon did the Costa Concordia, and because I'd been in the Navy, I started throwing just things through to him on LinkedIn. And it's interesting because one, I took a career break. I I. Being very young and I'd been a GMHR health and safety 
And I just looked in the mirror one day and said, I can't do this. So I went back to Temple Basing as a hut custodian because I wasn't fit enough to do patrol. And then I ended up working for the Department of Conservation. And then I decided to be a travel writer. And the thing yeah, about travel writing. You did that for a long time, though. You did that for like almost 12 years. Oh, the travel I'm, still, writer. I'm still doing bits of okay. it um, on request. Like it's it's sort of like a, I don't know, in careers guidance, we talk about it being a portfolio career. So I kind of joke about how I've got my steel caps for safety. I've got stilettos for HR. And then I still do the travel writing on the side. Um, okay. And But the thing about the travel writing is it gave me the ability to be irreverent and quirky and cheeky instead of that more formal legalistic view. And actually, this is another thing, though. After ski patrol, I went to England, worked in law firms for a year, made a lot of money, and then I quit that because I was doing the same thing with the same sort of people in London that I could in New Zealand. So I decided to be an outdoor instructor. And... I hope, it paid, I hope it paid close to the same then. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, is that eight to 12-year-olds and the first centre I worked with was tough South London kids. Like we're talking about eight-year-olds with flick knives and condoms in the pocket. You're like, what are you going to do? Stick that over your head. <laughs> the big one. Um, and <laughs> like it's, it's just, but they're all tough. And then like I basically got to have a social experiment and – um, toughest guy crying on the top of the uh, Absal Tower and working with them doing that. But with eight-year-olds, it's really simple. You just have to learn their name and you basically have to give them, this is the playing field that we're on. If you step over here, you'll get a yellow card. If you step over here, you get a red card. And the thing is, some of these kids were just amazing. And I'm actually still in touch with some of them. Like it's been over 20 years now. But they're um, they're still in touch with Leader Sarah, which is kind of cool. Well, it, it started off being their parents that was like. So anyway, that part of the story was things like surf lifeguarding, outdoor instructing, ski patrol, and the navy are what made me what I believe to be a proficient safety professional, not my formal education. <laughs> And, yeah, that's, that's and, and, and it's why I'm just as happy presenting in a board of directors legal style or in my steel cap boots. And like in New Zealand, we talk about the smoko room, which is sort of like, you know, the cafeteria portacom type thing. And yeah, like I think that was really valuable. And Nippon picked this up because I was talking to him about the Costa Concordia because I listened to his first session and I said, it's like the parable of the good wolf and the bad wolf. You know, the good wolf in me is like, everybody needs to listen and everybody needs to be treated with dignity. But the bad wolf in me is like, I've done sea survival school. And when I was in oil and gas, I did my helicopter underwater escape training. And I can't believe the captain abandoned the ship, you know, like, because I'd read, I had, have you done his Costa Concordia course? Yes, I, I actually did it earlier this year. Well, you'd know how, like, I I went, I was emotionally bludgeoned by the end of it because I went on such a journey. I choked on humble pie. Um, I don't want to give your listeners the, um, I don't want to give away the punchline, but at the end of it, yeah, I was, I was quite humbled and I was just amazed at how, oh, it was a lesson on biases. It was a lesson on 
um, predetermined information that was listed on how badly the media can skew things. And mm-hmm. But the other thing I noticed about Nippon is he's so egoless. Like he just listens and he doesn't feed drama, you know, and he's someone else. I think actually you do it as well because I know that you interview people across the safety press spectrum with all different backgrounds and information and um, just listen, just give them space and have a sense of humor at the same time. Like I, I think a lot of safety land doesn't do so well with humor sometimes. Did you see that Rachel Waller post that got completely flamed? No. Oh, it, it just happened recently. Um, but yeah, I, was I love her. By the, I love her. By the way, oh, I just want to throw that out there. I think I think she's fantastic. Yeah, and I think that she's brought the message to a, such a broad audience. You know, like I I I just think that safety professionals have a habit of. Um, it's that echo chamber cognitive dissonance thing <laughs> where we just all sit and nod at each other and completely right. forget our audience. Anyway, back to Nippon. So I got, I had this dialogue and he could see from the way I was writing that <laughs> I'd um, been on a journey. And next thing you know, Selena Armstrong, who's the CEO of NZISM, got in touch with me and said, you've been chosen for six months of coaching with Nippon. And I sort of, fell off my chair because yeah like it just was so random and so out of left field and there was five other people and we met with Nippon once a month and it was basically just he'd he'd give us something to think about and then we'd talk it through and it was just what he did now, looking back on it was so skilled and I also now realized that essentially it was like a six-month job interview. <laughs> I, Maybe that's no, what it, that was. That was his plan the whole time. He just didn't tell anybody. Well, I don't. I, yeah, I. I just don't know. Um, and then, next thing you know, they're sort of like, "Well, we'd like to bring you on as a consultant for Confidus. We've got a major team that we're working with in New Zealand, and we need someone on the ground that understands." the New Zealand legislation and, and how it works. And I was like, yep, that's great. And the funny thing is, so Nippon tells a story that the whole process behind Confidus and Novellus was he was a senior officer on a big ship that had come out of dry dock and they were steaming away and the engine broke down and they needed a part and nobody knew where the part was. And it was this junior rating like this lowest on the totem pole that went oh look here it is I'll fix it for you and Mm. it really started Nippon thinking because of he's just he's a very deep thinker like blue sky crazy like uh, just how he connects things and puts them together and so that was where he thought, you know what, we've just got to get better at respecting people for their technical knowledge and making sure that we bring them in and we listen to them. So the interesting thing is that now on that team, I feel like the lowest ordinary rating. <laughs> but really? well, but the interesting thing is, is this team gives me space to have an opinion and give feedback and because – so there's Nippon, and of course, you know, he's been 
he's a master mariner that's done some huge investigations in the North Sea and has his PhD. And he he's the entrepreneur, like Einstein thinker. Then there's another guy called John Moore. So John Moore was also a master mariner that sailed container ships around the Pacific. And then his last job, he was in Qatar, Qatar coordinating the shell oil container ships through the Suez Canal. Like that that sort of world is just a different planet to what I can imagine down in Cromwell. And then there's another guy called Pedro Ferrara, Ferreira who he is part of Nottingham University and his mind is like the matrix. So he is amazing with AI analysis in both a qualitative and quantitative sense. And um, so these, I'm, I'm sitting there in meetings with these three guys, seeing how they manage their project timelines, how they develop documents, how they manage stakeholders. Hang on, I'll tell you just, just a second. My dog is making a bed for himself under the table, and I just... No, I, 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 can hear, I can hear it. Yeah, it's perfectly I, fine. It's fine. Are you sure? <laughs> what are yes, you I'm doing, sure. dog? Oh, there you are. This, this is what people need to know. Everything's oh, normal. Yeah, Everything's normal. You. <laughs> this is Tussock. He's hey. my dog. Um, and you can now, you can go tinkle, tinkle out the door. <laughs> so when you, when you get to sit there and you get to see this, and you did describe Pedro as actually being part of the matrix when it's all said and done. What are you seeing? How, how are these conversations going? And are you looking at, are you looking on as a spectator or are you jumping in? I'm actually jumping in and that, but that's, that's my point about this team is they live their values and the fact that, well, it's interesting because so John Moore is very pragmatic and so am I, Um, we're very grounded and we're like, well, how is this going to work in the world of steel cap boots guys? And so the thing is, is that meetings are very structured and they're, you know, there's, things that we need to talk about and things that we need to get done. But when we're actually having the general conversations about new ideas or where we want to go, everybody's view is valued and everyone's given space. And if I don't say something, they'll look at me and say, right, Sarah, what do you think? Mm. And, yeah, and and it's and don't worry, I've always got something to say. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, again, because I've always been someone who's been quite forthright and spoken up, and you know, sort of like, oh, the emperor's naked. What are we mm-hmm. doing? Um, and that has, in the past, got me in a lot of trouble, but it's good trouble. It's in the trouble. oil industry. <laughs> Where, uh, yeah, I think in oil, there's a matrix where they talk about if you say the right thing at the right time or the right thing at the wrong time, wrong thing, right time, wrong thing, wrong time. I spent most of my experience in the oil industry saying the right thing at the wrong time. Like the lesson I learned there was understanding the power structure and then working out who needed to deliver the message. And often it was not me. Right. And that's what happens most of the times. It's supposed to be somebody else delivering the message that you have because they want to be 
we'll say, quote unquote, the smartest person in the room. Well, and well, it, it's just not even that. It's just, yeah, it was, this was a long time ago and I know things have evolved from then, but like for me, I just feel like I'm on fertile soil because I'm allowed to deliver my own message with this team. And that's so important. And the thing is that when you don't have that and you're accustomed to the other side or you're not able to share your own messaging, it's such a world of difference. And so now that you've had this general feeling, and keep in mind, you've been doing your same thing, your own thing for a period of time. But now you're inside of this room where you're looking at these other people and you're able to speak in there, which is important. Are you, is this what you're going to stick with? Are you going to stick with, or are you going to stick with? It's fascinating because of the thing is I'm applying. So like my professional goals in January this year, which is about right when I started on my journey with Novellus was to listen deeply and stay curious for that little bit longer. And this has affected me across my life. This works really well with a six-year-old which I happen to have, and all of my clients, like my relationship, I had this amazing meeting with the team yesterday, and we ran through, look, I've got all my little Lego people here, so this is this is me, and then I had all my people that were Lego people, and we ran through a scenario, but then they're like, Sarah, we've but, but, actually- but hold on, let's, let's make sure we're explaining this for the people that are listening. Oh, sorry. They're little Lego, they're little Lego people that she's popping up that are fully dressed in, you know, in yeah. formal attire. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is, this is, um, uh, well, I run desktop Lego exercises where it's like this post-it note is sight and this post-it note is the local doctors and this post-it note is the helicopter that they got put in. Um, well, it's the hospital where the helicopter took them. And it's interesting in Cromwell because, like, it wasn't my team, but in Queenstown a couple of years ago, someone got heliobacked off a site and the wife and the daughter drove to Dunedin, which is a three-hour drive, and they had a car accident in Milton. And the thing is, so... Uh, like Sydney Decker always talks about secondary victims. And that to me was the most poignant example of that, of like when someone's injured, you need to look at the whole ecosystem and support everyone to stay safe. And the thing is, so we're running through the Lego scenario about who would go where, you know, who would help get the family to Dunedin and, and who was going to notify WorkSafe, which is, you know, our example, our version of OSHA and, all the rest of it. And then at the end of that, the team said to me, well, we've got something to tell you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And they're like, well, we had a near miss that was quite serious and we ran our own learning team. And for me, yeah, and it was um, because I've been working with them for quite a while and they had the note, they'd, they'd done it over two sessions, they'd had their marinate time, um, and they'd come up with the report and the recommendations and they were so proud that they'd done it all themselves and that the team had the psychological confidence to do it and to speak. But the thing is they didn't need me. And, like, for me it was just amazing. Like it was a, you know, I was just so proud and so happy. But the thing is there's no way, you know, five years ago, 
I would have let that happen. It's like, no, no, command and control, I'm your safety person, I have to be there. And it's all because of the work with Nippin that the See, whole relationship has changed. And it's so important to be able to have that change inside of, inside of your life. It's like that breakthrough moment that you didn't know you were looking for that has occurred because all of a sudden, like you said, five years ago, not something that you would be willing mm-hmm. to give up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's it's kind of, I'll say that proud parent moment, if oh, I yeah. may. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where it's like, look, look at them. That Number one, they were able to do it. And number two, you didn't feel like, oh my God, I had to be there the whole time. Yeah, it's like the first time you let your kid go drive the car by themselves. You know, you're kind of freaking out, but it, yeah. it's still one of those things that once you find out they came back fine, yeah. it's important. Well, and I just, it's letting go of your ego. And I, like, I think the most interesting thing for me is if you look at the first 10 years of my career, I knew the solution and could tell you what you needed to do before I even knew what the problem was. The big thing with Nippin is I've been learning to work out what is the problem. And mm-hmm. it's often the weak signals that lead you to the problem, not the big glaring gorilla, you know, the basketball playing gorilla thing that you see first of all. And mm-hmm. But it's very humbling, and I have to park my ego at the door and because that's the other thing is like I often think that law school was an impediment because you can be why is that why is that because you can have very black and white thinking you can be very adversarial like again I did a lot of debating and impromptu speaking through university and high school and things and like I'm happy to debate either side of a topic but there's this real challenge that you you gain your positional power through being technically right. And I think one of the things that I've learned with Nippon is sometimes it's better to be kind than right and the solution will come. And it's not about right or wrong or good or bad. It's just about what is. But you really have to trust and have that confidence and listen. And I think, and I think that's it. I think that's where, and that's where we leave us. I'm going to tell you, we're going to have to do this again. It can, this cannot be the only time that you come on. You have, you have such a wealth of knowledge. So Sarah, Sarah, if people want to know more about you, where can they go to find out more? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. So that's Sarah Bond and you can find me under Be Safe Now, Employ Me Now or Novellis. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, as you've probably seen. So Send me a message. Never noticed. Never noticed at all. (laughs) No, more than happy to talk. And I actually did, I did another podcast with Glennis McCarthy um, for the learning team. So they talked more about my Genesis evolution and where I came from. I'm I'm familiar with that. I kind of know that group. There's something about them that I I know about. You might know them too. They're they're pretty amazing. (laughs) And it's, yeah, Brent, Brent and Glennis. See, that, honestly, Jay, that's been the hardest thing for me. Like, there are so many safety professionals in New Zealand that I look up to that I just think are outstanding. You know, Joe Pregmore works for Fulton Hogan. There's uh, Moni Hogg. There's Margaret Van Shea. There's a whole lot of amazing, and, you know, of course, Brent and Glennis. Yet somehow the universe has smiled on me and I've ended up on Nippin's team. And it's still like I'm still looking over my shoulder and suffering from the imposter syndrome. Um, 
but it's like, yeah. why did it happen in New Zealand? He's in the UK. That doesn't help out. That's not. That's not. A, that's not a, like a little short little flight. Well, again, <laughs> though, it, this is the fascinating thing because of COVID, no one's been traveling, so they needed someone on the ground. And it hey, just, it just, it, you know, as I said, it just happened to be me, and just a very humbling, privileged, amazing experience um, to be a part of that team and see what they're trying to do and where it's going to go. And as I said, I've just just learned and learned and learned, and it can be exhausting, and the reflection can be painful sometimes. <laughs> But um, yeah, back to eating that humble pie and choking on it. <laughs> well, Sarah, I do appreciate you coming on to the show. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case... And you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.